Hey y'all, it's your favorite host, and I wanted to just pop in here to say, uh, if you're enjoying the show uh, and you'd like to give us some support, the best way to do that is through Patreon. Uh, I've launched the Patreon with a couple of tiers. There's a $3 tier, which gives you access to the Discord, and you come hang out with uh, me and the other friends inside of that, uh, and just kind of talk the show, talk a bunch of different nerd stuff. And then there is a, another tier, an $8 tier, uh, where you can get early access to episodes ad-free. Um, you will also get free access to all uh, micro-RPGs that I create in the future. Yeah, so again, uh, thank you so much for listening to the show. Um, if you'd like to give additional support, that's one way to do it. Another great way to do it is just, you know, go on to whatever platform you're listening to and rate the podcast, subscribe, uh, follow, leave a review if you can. Um, those things really help gain visibility for the show, and it is always greatly appreciated. Link is in the description. Thank you so much, and back to the episode. Welcome to the Secret Nerd Podcast, where we think everyone should play tabletop RPGs and give you some reasons why. For tonight's episode, I journey further into the chaos that is uh, Mayday Roleplay. Um, with me tonight, I have their resident artist and one of the cast members, if you'd like to go ahead and introduce yourself. Hello, I'm Zakia Goggins, also Zach Goggins, both are cool. <laughs> uh, I use she, they pronouns, and yeah, I, I make cool pictures and <laughs> tell yes. really weird stories with my friends. Very true. Yeah. Uh, I love the artwork. It's It's been awesome just seeing it. And um, I'm not much of a stream watcher, but I have tried to jump on um, the streams and I was able to see some of the stuff you did on the last one. Uh, and it's really awesome. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. It's super cool being here. I love that this exists. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, it's it's a, a lot of fun, a very fun project that I love to do. Um, and, you know, just being able to learn about people and how they got into games and, you know, hopefully spreading stories that are positive for people who haven't played yet or maybe haven't tried certain games or maybe don't feel completely comfortable in the TTRPG space. It's it's a big thing for me. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, speaking of that, like what what kind of got you into nerdum? what started that out oh that's really weird because i i knew i knew that i wanted to play dungeons and dragons before i knew what dungeons and dragons was like (laughs) i i googled because i I assumed it was an online game at first like and this was i made this assumption this is me at like 17 years old because it's okay very much like like the satanic panic did not end where i grew up (laughs) It, it still goes strong um so so i googled it assuming it was an mmorpg and there is a DD mmorpg but i was like this is the one that everyone's talking about this yeah. is DD. so i downloaded it and it wasn't it was not what i heard everyone <laughs> no, talking yeah. about and i was so confused 
Um, and then it just kept going like, obviously I got it wrong. So what did I do wrong? And trying to research into that. And then I found yeah. the tabletop game and gotcha. LARP and what have you. Yeah. So were you, I'm guessing then you were always a like fantasy fiction fan and things like that. Like that's what kind of made you yeah. look in the direction anyway. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I played pretend games way longer than any of the other students. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For sure. Now that you say that, I think about it and I'm like, I feel like I was still like 13 playing with action figures and like outside swinging sticks at my friends and stuff. Yeah. Like so. half of that start is realizing like, okay, maybe this isn't so cool to do out loud anymore. I have to find <laughs> better, more acceptable ways of playing pretend. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, so like, um, was it mostly the reading? Was it cartoons, comics? Was it, um, you know, RPG games? Like, what do you think was the biggest portion of that for you as a the kid? The big, biggest one was between reading and uh, reading and movies. My okay. my parents had this, what I thought was a cruel rule after school, um, sorry for all the rhyming, was to come home and read, <laughs> read for an hour after you do your homework um, and it got desperate. Like I, I hated it so much. We had to sit still and quiet for that whole hour. Yeah. Uh, so it was just like taking books from school, whatever seemed relatively interesting and reading those and then immediately turning on the TV for as long as we could. Yeah. Um, so like my first, I had not even realizing that it was fantasy at the time was the whiz. Like okay. that was like, Oh, secret world in my world hell yeah hell yeah yeah that's cool awesome and then so did you get to a point where you started to enjoy the reading or do you, do you feel like it was still kind of always just forced on you <laughs> no not during that hour but in school uh yeah for sure yeah and when you decided to finally or when you started enjoying it like what kind of books did you like what were some of your favorite authors Oh, I didn't even collect names. It was individual books. Yeah. Like I couldn't, I didn't even have the like focus to finish a series, but Jeremy Thatcher, Dragon Hatcher slapped, still slaps to this day. <laughs> uh, the Tale of Despero. Oh, that was mm. one of the first ones the one where it was like. Mouse, right? Yes. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That, I really, really saw that book like a movie that changed the game. Um, there's like a Victorian supernatural romance novel that like like 13 year old me should not have had but yeah. it's called the parasol protectorate and that dominated all through high school and rice was she the one that was just writing all those it's, naughty fantasy novels it's definitely it's written by um the author is gail carriger i believe but mm. it's a little bit of that but it's like silly it's really oh, lighthearted. Okay. like it, it knows what it is but it yeah. also is like bodice ripping like werewolves and vampires <laughs> it's good it's really good it's like pre-twilight basically yeah oh and of course i'm so sorry twilight <laughs> it's okay it's it's in its own genre um i went hard for that yeah. very hard for that i've uh still never read the books so i've seen the movies my wife enjoys them so we watch them i'll watch with them with her but i've never read the books I don't, the I don't books know. will bless you the yeah. right it's <laughs> it's a journey did you Anchor. get into did you get into harry potter as well no so Me i was I, 
I wasn't allowed to. So wow. not till college, I, I watched the first movie and then I fell asleep. Not yeah. because they were boring, but I just didn't like, I still haven't seen anything past this like second film. Yeah. But I feel like I learned so much through cultural osmosis. They're like, I get it. I get it. He's a magic boy. He's got cool friends. Yeah. 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 I, uh, I, I've always had this hot take, which now I guess has become probably less hot because of everything around Harry Potter. But I, I don't like the books. I tried. I mean, yeah. and I was like an avid fantasy fiction reader as a kid. I loved right. it. Dragons. You can give me dragons, spells, swords, whatever. I was eating it up. And in fifth grade, I think they had just come out and everybody was like, oh, this book's amazing, blah, blah, blah. And I tried it and I just hated it. I think I made it like two chapters and I was like, this is fucking awful. And I just <laughs> didn't want to read it ever again. And people are wow. upset because I'm like, I don't understand. Yeah. Like, I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand why everybody loved it so much. I think it's cool. I love that. I think it's cool that it it was um, something that brought people into the genre that weren't reading mm -hmm. fantasy fiction, you know, and it's still kind of like, it's very soft on the fantasy fiction side of it. Obviously it's a different world and everything, but it's still like you're saying, like our world, but yeah. Um, yeah, outside of that, I just, whatever, you know, did you like, but I mean, were it, you, did you stand in your truth in that though? Like when you hated Harry Potter, were you like, did you tell people? Yeah. Yeah. When people oh. are like, well, you should read Harry Potter. Or, I'm like, no, I'm never going to do that. <laughs> the Amazing. book's awful. <laughs> like if, 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 if whatever, 10 years old me was not going to enjoy it, me as an adult, I'm not going to enjoy it. Like yeah. my taste has only gotten more specific about the things that I would read. Um, and that's not it. So, and now I just feel like, well, I mean, she's such a shit bag i don't have to even worry about it anymore you super don't yeah you completely miss the like no responsibility on that end yeah yep yeah i barely like two weeks ago just learned what quote unquote school i would go to um because oh. i just never cared enough to find out but my best friend's um significant other is a avid harry potter fan and um so she she we talked about it and i was like i don't know and then they all decided to try to figure out which one I was and then determine what it was. So, but yeah, anyway, that's enough. Of, that's enough of Harry Potter. Um, but yeah, so very cool. So then you reading and then the movies, did you, were you a gamer at all too? Or was it just kind of, um, yeah, media? I do not have the spine for video games. Um, okay. I get really scared of anything oh. that's, that's more like, Anything more detailed than Super Mario games. <laughs> Anything above that, I consider a horror game. So okay. even like, like, what was that? What was the, we had a GameCube game that was like an anthology of all of the Zelda games, like going yeah. all the way back from mm -hmm. like, like Game Boy. Um, yeah. And there was like a sneak preview of the Wind Walker game. That's when this game came out. Like you get a little mm -hmm. teaser. Yeah. Couldn't play that screaming in my living room. I could watch my sister play it, not me. That's funny. Yeah. And yeah, I don't, I mean, that's just baffling because anybody who's listened to the interviews about Mayday Roleplay knows that you guys play Delta it, Green. It's a horror show, yeah. Which is a horrific game. <laughs> yep. 
And it's it's not like you're playing this avatar of a character that you are not associated with. You literally created a character to put into this game to then be horrified. Yes. So what was that experience like for you? Because <laughs> uh, I feel like this terror didn't didn't ring through in your role play. And not to take anything away, I think what you did in the show was fantastic. Yeah. But I don't feel like I thought, man, Zach is genuinely terrified right now. So That's, tell me about this. Yeah, no, I built that into Warp because immediately, like when Surge pitched Delta Green, I was like, this is going to be really interesting. I'm excited to see where this goes. Um, the good thing about playing a horror game is you can get up from the table or take your headphones mm -hmm. off. So I was like, yeah. if it gets too crazy, I'll just run away, <laughs> like physically run away and it'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, but Warp spends so much time not showing her emotions and sometimes it's mm -hmm. really bad she's really bad at it but yeah that helped me be like well even if you are absolutely scared at what surge is just describing mm -hmm. from 40 miles away that's fine you have something to yeah. do with it you know where to put it it's okay <laughs> but yeah horror was not my thing until maybe like two years ago yeah so, so do you with warp do you feel like you specifically put her on the spectrum oh yeah or am i misreading that no it's a it's a good read it's a good read uh it's it's funny because when i first started with warp that was not the number like that wasn't on the on the docket i don't know it wasn't a part of the plan yeah, yeah. Uh, but it did like i don't know i think even in my own sort of there's there's the way that warp exhibits um being on the spectrum and then the way that i exhibit a lot of those traits so yeah. a lot of the time it was just me <laughs> being myself <laughs> and then people being like oh cool warp's autistic and i'm like ah well yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah. i guess yeah, yeah yeah um but it yeah it it ended up i don't know it, it excites me to to see what i have in store for warp through that lens yeah. like it's yeah. it's warp doing xyz but it's also like a canon autistic character doing these things right. and that that makes me really excited yeah no i think that's awesome i mean obviously r representation in general is so important and mayday has a very diverse group of folks across the board but I think, too, when you go into some of the specifics of, of each of those characters, things like being on the spectrum or, or neurodivergence are also important for people to see, too, because because I and I've talked about this before on the show, but because I've, I've looked at being on the spectrum and things like that and, and have an understanding of it, um, I have looked into a lot of like how it's portrayed in media. And I and I personally enjoy most of what is out there. Um, not always and not all the time of each specific show. Mm -hmm. um, but one thing I didn't really like necessarily pick on, and, and this is probably just to, um, you know, my own internal programming of growing up was like people were upset because it's always a, a white cis male, mm -hmm. you know, and, and they're always, and it's almost always, you know, savant is the, how it's portrayed. Um, yeah. and I'm like, Oh yeah, I guess that makes sense. Um, you know, so yeah, I think it's important to have, you know, different types of, of, of people and be able to, to have those things, you know, I, in my own 
writing I've done, I noticed that my inner monologue comes out way more on the spectrum than I am. Right. Yeah. 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 Because it's how my brain processes things. Yeah. It's, it's like a lot of the time I find like when getting into character for other things, almost literally any other character, it's putting stuff on, but Mm -hmm. because like what you said, it's an inner monologue. It's like a private thing, like taking, like Mm -hmm. not masking is actually taking stuff off before you record, which is, yeah, it's already a lot to do for a horror show where you're like, you only have so much time to be intimate with these people. Like you should have your guard up, but now I'm going to spend a chunk of my brain, like thinking of like, I don't know, thinking of things to be more honest with that sort of stuff. So, yeah. yeah. And uh, so I'm curious in that too, like I know with myself, um, I know that I frustrate people sometimes because I process information and then I process it through the sort of social sensor that I've developed over time, if you Mm -hmm. will. And, and then figure out like, okay, you know, how can I say this without it being, um, you know, crass or inappropriate or just, uh, so do you feel like you have something like that too? Where Okay. So yeah. So when, as you're playing warp, is it like a kind of a triple filter of like you process it and then you have to kind of take it back or yeah. 100%. It's like, like Zakia, think of what warp would do. Great. Now think of how warp would say it. Great. Now think of how warp would say it, considering that everyone is always looking for her to be, to, to fall apart. Right. So it's like all of warps filters and then make it a little weird because at this point she is falling apart. So yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's like six different processes before we get to something yeah. that I'm like, good, publish that. But <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, definitely. She can't, she cannot say the first thing that pops into her head because a lot of the time it's bonkers. Fully, yeah. fully yeah. insane. Like it, especially when someone in, in perennial is like in immediate danger um, I think there's a moment in like the first season where they literally go through the team and it's like, who's willing to do this really terrible thing? And they're like, not me, not me. And Warp's like, well, <laughs> if you <laughs> if you want yeah. me to, I can. And that's the yeah. closest that it's gotten to. Like Warp is about that action, but yeah, that's a, the action that she's about is usually terrible. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, um, you know, the show can get pretty intense for sure. And I know which moment you're talking about. Um, and that was definitely something, even as a person who is completely fine with, with that kind of content and, and I love like Delta green and all it encompasses and, you know, I've experienced my own levels of violence around me. So I, I understand a lot of that stuff, but even I was still like, Oh my God, that was really surprising um, how this all played out. So, uh, it's fun to get, you know, your guys's opinion on that, you know, those situations and, and kind of listen to, um, you know, from the cast who's actually going through it in the moment, um, and how those things play out. So I want to like shout out Serge really quick because, yeah. uh, because it is like a really violent show and it's a show that's mm-hmm. about the government and being violent. Yeah. So there are some topics yeah. that are completely unavoidable. Uh, especially as a uh, black player. Um, And 
during our recording of season one, sort of like checked in with everyone, like, how do you feel about the season? What are you afraid of? And I made it very clear that I was like, I'm a black person playing this game. And it's usually about running from like otherworldly demons, which is fine. I'm not worried about that. Yeah. But also the police and like yeah. the FBI, <laughs> that's, that's scarier to me than right. a big black bird in the sky. I'm, yeah. I'm with that. I fathom that. That's fine. I just, I'm not interested in that. And that's yeah. scary. Um, yeah. But he, like, I mean, Serge is a good DM. Like, that's all I'll say. Yes. That's, oh, absolutely. He's yeah. aware of that in how he runs the game. Yeah. No, I think that's awesome. And I think it's, it's very important too, because it is, you know, that's one thing where I work, I, I unfortunately see a lot of how, you know, white privilege really plays out, um, especially around law enforcement. And it is amazing to me how people can literally just not care about things like that. Yeah. You're just like, no, it's fine. Like, why would you be afraid getting pulled over for going five miles over the speed limit? And it's like, how do you not understand that fear? Right. Like, but people really don't. It's just like, oh, it's cool, whatever. Yeah, let me just reach for shit and like do all kinds yeah. of crazy stuff with my hands and everything's going to be fine. It's like, no, I'm just like 10 and 2 till you tell me I'm okay yeah. to reach for something. And I haven't done anything wrong, but that doesn't mean that I'm necessarily safe. Um and not to say, of course, that, you know, all cops are bad, but like there's still as a as a person of color, especially as a black person, like we have to be aware of it and we just don't have the right. ability to let our guard down. So, yeah, so I think it's 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 awesome. And I, I feel like I've gotten that sense of Sergio that he is that GM, but I think it's amazing that he's, you know, takes that stuff into consideration and really in a in a space where the whole world is already horrific and you guys are playing through these horrible things. Like it's good to mm -hmm. know that he's going to work to make sure you guys are comfortable and safe in that environment. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I mean, to pivot just a little bit, you know, how did you, when did you start? I guess you were 17 when you tried looking for D and D. Um, yeah. Did, how long did it take for you to like find the game, find a group to play with that kind of stuff? I did not play my first game of Dungeons and Dragons until I was 20 years old. And I called it, the year was very much natural 20. It became a theme. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, it was my, yeah, junior year in college. I played my first game with some kids that lived on my floor. Uh, and it was okay. like, actually, is that true? That was the first like multi one, like multi-shot game I played. The first time I played D&D &D was like a very much baby's first RPG version the DM watered it down a lot, mercifully, yeah. for me and my friends. Um, and I think I played, of course, I played a ranger, a half-elf ranger, which is what everyone <laughs> does. <laughs> rangers are the best. I don't care. I don't care what anybody says. I'm on that train. I, rangers are, are I dope. I mean, them. I don't like, I don't necessarily like the way 5e did rangers, mm. but, okay. but I do think that rangers are a dope class in general. I Yeah. I loved it. I It was so weird and I was really bad at role playing. And then, yeah, fast forward to college where I played a bard, a dragonborn bard, and had the time of my life. <laughs> it was so nice. it was so weird. And it was very much so in the common room of the floor. 
thankfully it was art school yeah. so that was not the weirdest thing that happened in that oh, okay. room okay yeah, yeah but it was yeah it was just good just good weird D, as it should be yeah did you uh go like all out bard in your like the way you role played it and everything no i played a shy bard a lot of the first okay. like my default is coming from a, like a nerd so whatever i do yeah it's you know it's a it's a shredded paladin but they're a nerd <laughs> they're like yeah. quiet yeah so it was like a <laughs> yeah she was essentially like a librarian from like a, a lineage of librarians that was just supposed to stay in the freaking room and watch these books for the rest of her life and she was like ah yeah. but i love the dulcimer <laughs> i love it so much <laughs> she just left nice. and she just like became this hobo that she would rather do that than be a librarian yeah. and have a cushy job which is not i would love an inheritance right now <laughs> yeah even, for sure even if it sounds real real good <laughs> yeah exactly i'm like she has she can afford it she can afford this yeah so. <laughs> that's awesome how long would did that uh campaign go on very short it was like uh i think we only oh, okay. met four times uh oh, okay and then it just was like good game and we found other stuff yeah. uh but i'm still like friends with those people we just haven't had the chance to play again and then was there a gap between then and playing with Mayday, or did you find like other groups along the way? Oh yeah, uh, I joined one group. I went through Meetup, and I found a group in I don't even remember the city. I think it's up- Upland. Um, we there was a brewery that's probably still there, uh, and it was just like local people. Most of them were like dads. <laughs> Most of the people in that group. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that makes um, sense. Yeah. <laughs> At, yeah, at like a small brewery in a business park. And that was really when I started to like test the stuff that I was seeing on like critical role and stuff like that. It's was like, I want to eventually yeah. role play that way. What can I do? We met up at this small table. It, the brewery, when you walk in, looks like an office. It was like a common like, okay. landing area. And then you go in the back and there's where all the beer was. So the first yeah. thing normal people do when they just want beer is seeing 10 people around a table and the DM went hard. He brought a monitor and sat it on the table. So he had battle maps and like minis and like music and stuff. So it's like completely, totally different from what you expect. (laughs) Like you just want to, you just want beer. And it's these weirdos yelling over like nothing essentially for hours. Uh, Yeah, I, I miss that table so much. They were so cool. Like, I think I, I had to leave because my class schedule changed, but they were just like, yeah, it was so nice. I mean, that sounds awesome. You're you're much braver than I am because I don't think I would ever. That's why it took me so long to get back into it because I just refused to meet new people. Yeah. I was like, oh, you can find groups on Roll20. I was like, no, that sounds. <laughs> it's terrifying. It sounds awful. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I didn't. Uh but yeah, no, that's awesome. So in your groups, have you ever had an instance where you were not the only black person playing? Yes. Yes. I will say um, in college, after that first game, I found a group. I can't remember the name. Oh, yes. The Valkyries. Uh, in <laughs> in the Bay Area, in Oakland specifically, it was an all black women D&D group. And we met oh, up wow. That's awesome. at the, yeah, at the DM's apartment first, um, at the, yeah. the, like the lobby of their apartment complex, it was like a conference room and we would meet in there or like be up in her 
like kitchen. I can't even go in. It was like these these women were like working professionals. They they were like real adults. For me, like 20, 21 years old, like these people, you have a couch and plates, not a plate. You have yeah. multiple plates right. in your house. Like you're thriving. What is there? You have nothing to worry yeah. about. And you have time to DM a game. So like a role yeah. model. Um, it was so good. That was that was amazing. And that was definitely a priority after like learning what the game was and how to actually play it. I was like, great. Where are the black people? Because I just I wanted to make <laughs> Like, because like, humor is so important to, well, humor is super mm-hmm. important to me, but definitely to the way I like to DM and was like, I have yeah. all these references I want to make that like, I can't make it every time. Like it, I still have yet to play a game where I get to make a Tyler Perry play reference. I just want it <laughs> so bad. Like I just, I want, I, I don't want to have to walk it back. I just want everyone yeah. to know what I mean. There's yeah. like, there's so many inside I, jokes. <laughs> I know. I need to get you connected to Jordan from Blackness and Dragons. I don't know if you've ever seen their stream, but yes. it's an. Uh, you have? Have you seen it? Yeah, I played. Uh, I played a one shot with Jordan once uh, at uh, oh, Twenty Productions. Yeah. I was gonna say yeah because she um, when we talked that was the same thing. It was just like yeah we you know we have our jokes and we like to make our jokes and um it's nice to just all understand where we're coming from and not you know like you said not have to walk it back and (laughs) explain it and yeah um yeah and alternatively i had another guest on who is in a podcast that's half black and half white Mm -hmm. and he talked about the same like there's literally like jokes only half of us understand and the other half doesn't and then opposite yeah we're just like yeah we'll (laughs) yeah figure it out you know, and obviously it's it's good to have diverse tables and things like that. But I think, it, yeah, no, that's amazing. In such a small world. Yeah, such a small world, to, you know, that you know Jordan and yeah. have played with her. That's crazy. Um, yeah, that's super cool, though. So, yeah, so <laughs> you, you talked about going on that journey to find, um, you know, Black people that are playing those games. Do you feel like, I don't know how old you are, but do you feel like back then it was more difficult trying to find people especially mm, yeah okay yeah i'll say for the record i'm 24 um but okay. i i think it was i kind of it seemed like i came right at the point before like ttrpgs specifically D like blew the hell up so it's yeah it was a little harder it was harder because i of where i was doing it like at the edge of la okay. county like inland empire it's not like there aren't a lot of people of color or black people around. It's just like how many yeah. of them have time to play D and D or even want to play D and D. Like I, I don't yeah, know if you know talk what, about it or yeah. Right. Do you know what a chick track is? It's like those mm-hmm. little like comics that they have in churches. They're very much like fundamentalist comics. Um, okay. It's like <laughs> okay. trying to scare you into you know, um, very much so. Yeah. Hell is real. But where they <laughs> print those is very close to where I grew up. So trying to okay. <laughs> find a table is <laughs> challenging. <laughs> so yeah, yeah it, it was more that than like now, especially with Twitter, which is a double-edged sword, a blessing and a curse. Finding people to join yeah. your table is a lot easier, um, especially when there's yeah. things like like 
all of these themed like hashtags of days where it's really just like black people getting in their costumes and being weird. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I think I, I completely agree. I I've voiced my opinion. I, I mean, I up until I created this podcast, I did not have a Twitter. I refused to get one because it was the same thing. That's just similarly to my story about Harry Potter. It was just like this girl when Twitter first came out, she was like, yeah, it's so cool. Like I sent a tweet and all of my friends in the same room got a message on their phone at the same time. And I was like, that is the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard. Talk to each other. <laughs> why? I don't understand why this has to be this way. And I just was like, nope, never going to do it. Um, and of course, like the unfortunate curse to doing something in media is like, you have to be able to reach your audience and promote and things like that. Yeah. So like you said, it is that very much a, a double-edged sword. Um, but I go through stints of like the necessity and just hating it yeah. and kind of dealing with it from there as best as I can. And I'm, I'm a so. big fan of the parasocial relationship. I think a lot of people talk shit about it because it's like, you're not really friends, but I love being mm -hmm. able to pull that cord at any time. Like we're so cool yeah. on the internet, but we're just business partners. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. I love it so much. It's like, yeah. I know like most of the time we're here just to promote what we're doing. Like we're all artists and creators and we want people to know mm -hmm. about it. And we want to talk about the nerd shit we want to talk about. But like, right, yeah. it doesn't have to go past that. It can if you'd like it to. Yeah. But having that like safety blanket at the bottom of like, it's just business, baby. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a good point. And I think like uh, it's been awesome you know just with um i mean i guess this is the one good thing about it obviously is that i've been able to meet you know you guys and um and a lot of amazing people in the community um so there's that aspect of like you know creating those those relationships and and some of them becoming actual um you know friendships right. to an extent and then and then being able to curate for a weekly show who I decide to really engage with, you know, beyond that point too. So um, I think it's, yeah, it's such a weird dynamic, yeah. this whole thing, but, but yeah, so the, so you played in an amazing all black women group. That's just, I'm still like trying to wrap my head around. That's so incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also on meetup. <laughs> but yes. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's too wild. Um, so, you know, when you, you, you talked about like where you grew up in that, there was that kind of satanic panic. Did you feel like, did you have any issues as a kid growing up and being a nerd? Like, I don't know, like, did you grow up around a lot of black folks and things yes, like that? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I grew up in a really, uh, really, really white town called Claremont. Shout out Claremont. But like, the percentage of, of black students at any, any, I went there from kindergarten to senior year in high school. The percentage was never yeah. above like a 4.3. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like, it wasn't something that I had at school. It was definitely something I had on the weekends because of church mm -hmm. and family to the point where there's like a really silly story of when I was like six and I went to go visit a cousin, me and my mom and my sister went to visit a cousin and we were swinging on her tire swing in the backyard. And these other kids came up and asked us to share the swing. Um, and I said, truthfully, that we 
don't play with white kids on the weekends. So you're going to have to wait <laughs> until we're done on the swing, <laughs> which was true. It was very much my reality. I, on the yeah, weekends, see, it's yeah, just yeah. I completely family. understand this. Yeah. yeah I <laughs> and I got in trouble. I, I would answer the question. I'm like, well, but why? You're being honest. Say, That's not wrong. It's Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe no, on Monday. I got you. Yeah. But yeah. So like, definitely not then. Um, but there was like some nerd things that my mom understood because she was a nerd too. Like, yeah. If it wasn't too hard into magic, it was fine. Um, <laughs> like spells. Like if if it's spells and shit, yeah. I usually just had to read yeah. it in secret. Like that's fine. Uh, <laughs> she's like, you're not gonna check my backpack. I got I got books in there. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. What else? I think that's that's pretty much. Yeah, I either did it in secret or just kept it. Like it kind of had to be homebrewed. A lot of our pretend games because if it was too much based yeah. off of a thing, yeah, you get in trouble. Yeah. No, that's funny. Yeah, I was just thinking like that's for sure. My reaction has always been like just be honest and then you can't be in trouble for it because like you're not being mean you're just telling the truth right in my experience this usually doesn't happen till monday yeah that's all yeah and um that's not the case people still perceive that as you were being mean so yeah i totally get it though um <laughs> that's funny <laughs> so yeah so I, I i mostly know the story of of you know, how the group came together. Um, but for you, how did you get into Mayday in the sense of how did you like start out it? going to this group to start a podcast? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of rambled there, but. No, yeah, you're fine. I, I like, I knew narrative podcasting was the shit um, from like sophomore year in high school when I got into Welcome to Nightville. Yeah. Like that was the podcast that started it all. Okay. And from then I was like, I would love to do this. If only I could speak in public that would be so good <laughs> but until now i'm just gonna listen to it because it's amazing yeah and then uh one of my my best friends from middle school their mom messaged me on facebook like hey my friend's starting a podcast do you want to do it because it's nerdy and you're a nerd i was like yeah mm -hmm. i was like in the middle of grad school at the time like did not have the time to do this yeah. shouldn't have yeah but I had just had like my first LARP experience. So I was feeling myself and I recorded my audition tape from the backseat of my dad's car on my phone because I had no equipment. Oh, I was wow. not prepared to be on a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Woof. Um, but I recorded a monologue for that LARP character and sent that in. I was like, this is going to be dumb. They're going to tell me no, but at least I did it. A little eat, pray, love moment. Yeah. Just try it. <laughs> and then they were like, hey, you're in. Good. <laughs> I have to explain to my family uh, that this is a thing now that they also have to watch. Yeah. <laughs> or listen to. <laughs> um, yeah. And then, yeah, the, the audition of Geeky Tees. And I kept thinking, like, looking for a moment in those first, like, 20 minutes to be like, this is a waste of time. You have to leave. Because you, you, yeah. you don't have time to commit to this. You don't know what you're doing. Yeah. I don't, I've right. never acted before. So yeah. like, I literally, there was nothing <laughs> done to support this decision <laughs> that I would be qualified for this at all. And yeah. at the audition, people were 
just talking about other auditions or different things that they had done. And I'm just like, uh, 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 yeah, a little imposter syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. I bought my dice at Barnes yeah. and Noble. Like I hadn't even been to a tabletop store. So like, <laughs> it, was just, it was insane. It was a wonder that it happened. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And then here you are now doing this stuff and, you know, Delta Green is the one that I, I just finished recently mm-hmm. getting caught up on. So excited for season two. Oh, get ready. And then now, I'm, yeah, I'm so excited. And then now I'm listening to the Ashoka stuff, and um, which has been a lot of fun too. And just, you know, seeing uh, the advent of, of Eli become a DM. Yes. And, um, you know, and, and all of your guys' you know different characters and it's so fun to like have that contrast of like these very grounded human characters of delta green who are experiencing this crazy stuff but are still human mm-hmm. very much human and then go to like what is you know zach gonna play in D D <laughs> as opposed to <laughs> agent war right. and yeah and just watching that it, it's been a blast so um you know what was your inspiration for your your ashoka character yeah uh it's it's silly uh definitely silly because (laughs) i i knew i wanted to play um i will say asmr don't at me about the pronunciation (laughs) of that word asmr for me today so i wanted to play that (laughs) and i i like I like playing healer characters because your function is very simple. Like you can do whatever you want yeah. to make sure nobody dies. And it's, it had mm-hmm. been a minute since we played D and D. So I was like, this is going to be a safe place to come from. Um, everything else, her, her backstory, like her motivations, all of it was really silly in that Kenny, Kenny's full name, Kenny Otega is based off of a very popular director that's it i love kenny ortega and i love (laughs) it's like i made i can we i mean i feel like i've cussed already on the show yeah yeah for sure i fucks heavily with high school musical and hocus pocus and (laughs) those heavy on my heart at the time so i was like i'm gonna name my character after this man (laughs) it's a black angel named after kenny ortega and that's fine um but there was a lot of like music inspirations to her and her backstory nice yeah that's awesome i music is a huge huge deal for my life too so i think that's very cool and you said if i'm remembering this correctly um something along the lines of in your guys's uh recap that you're never without beyonce is that correct correct <laughs> that's true yeah <laughs> so a funny anecdote I recently learned my daughter, my oldest daughter, does not like music. She doesn't, well, not necessarily that she doesn't like it. She loves music. She loves to dance. She loves to sing. But she only likes things either from kids' movies or nursery rhymes. Yeah. And that's it. Like Moana soundtrack all the time. Um, Frozen, that kind of stuff. The only song she'll listen to that's a not kid song is Beyonce's Sweet Dreams. Incredible. <laughs> yeah. So how do I know this? Because I, there's a, this is a really weird, um, there's a TV show on, on 
Amazon called All or Nothing, and it follows like a football team, an NFL football team over a season. Mm -hmm. And they did one for the Carolina Panthers, and it opens with Beyonce's Sweet Dreams. And you just see Cam Newton walking by himself. And then he asks some girl, he's like, hey, is Beyonce old school? And she's like, well, it depends on the album. And he's like, exactly. That's true. And then it plays a song and everybody's just dancing. And just I, when music is connected to scenes for me, it always like heightens yeah. it. You know what I mean? Um, similar to like when you watch a song live that you didn't necessarily care for, yeah. but you see it live and you're like, oh my God, this song is amazing. Why did I never realize this? Um, and so that scene has always stuck with me. And... So I was like, oh, that's, I just kind of want to listen to a song. So I just put it on because I'd always try to test her with stuff mm-hmm. and she loved it. And now we literally will listen to it three times on the way to daycare. Now, that's so interesting. First, your daughter is brilliant, but is it, <laughs> is it just like, it's like, is it just the need to attach the song to a narrative, like to put the words to a picture? Because like, how does she feel about musicals or like really intricate music videos? Um, well, that's the thing. She's never seen that music video or that, or that show. I just, I just put the song on for her. But, but that being said, she, like, they love the movies, the kids movies that have the singing and the scene with it. And they like know like which parts are going to happen. And, um, like, I don't know if you've ever seen Frozen 2 and shout out to all the, yeah, people who watch kids stuff. But like, there's a part when Olaf is walking through the, enchanted forest mm-hmm. and he's singing his little song about how it's going to be easier when he's yes. older and then he screams and they like know the scream part and like how he's just like running around with the crazy camera so i think it's a combination like she definitely latches onto that stuff um and there's yeah there's a lot of like really good kids movies that have amazing scores and amazing songs attached to them yeah uh, that i try to get them to watch because we we enjoy the music parts of it um together but yeah, Sweet Dreams is just one of those things. Like I was just, I always try to test her with different songs. And I think I let it play long enough to where she didn't really know what was going on. Yeah. And then it just hits and you're like, well, I mean, obviously this song's a banger. So yeah, it is. We're not going to not listen to it. And if, if you're an avid daydreamer, having Beyonce serenade you into the daydream for the next four minutes is incredible. So like, I understand yeah. she has great taste. Like, yeah, that was uh sorry. It's kind of a long story. No. But, um, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's cool, like, uh, I guess to your point of attaching music to your character, um, I think it's awesome. I've always had a hard time with it just because I love so much stuff and I feel like my love for a lot of music is not necessarily, it's not necessarily like set to a tone to where I could say like uh, this kind of music would represent this kind of character. I think I'd have a hard time with that because I just love so much. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I'm I'm looking for like a beautiful vocal um, or just, you know, those songs that just like give you freeshen is I think what the term's called. The experience of like, uh, what's the word? Like when you get goosebumps listening to music. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so things like that. But yeah, because I'm just constantly just like bombarding myself with that same kind of mm-hmm. tonality, it's hard. It would be hard for me to like make a playlist for a character. I think. Yeah, playlists take a really long time for me. Like I, mm-hmm. I almost want the arc to be over and then make the playlist because I, I like narrative <laughs> yeah. playlists. Like as the song changes, so the story moves forward. But right, when you yeah. start a story, you don't really, especially an improv story with 
five other characters, like between you making that character sheet and the end of episode one, you can make a complete U-turn on what you had in mind because it, you're having a better time with your friends with X, Y, Z. So right. a lot of the time, like for Warp, I was listening to a lot of Regina Spector at the time, which makes sense because mm -hmm. okay. Regina's yeah. the best kind of weird and beautiful and like <laughs> piano, like beautiful. But then yeah. for Kenny, I was listening to a lot of Erica Badu, which is why her character playlist is mm. half Erica, because it's it's yeah. very much like yeah. I have incense burning. I'm here to heal you, but I also don't give a fuck about anything. That's Erica. Yeah. So yeah. it makes sense. <laughs> but like, I, I can't really. There's more characters to come and there are specific artists for them as right, well. Yeah. No, I got you. Um, no, that's really cool. And then since you brought it up, is that something that you do? Do you attach like a visual narrative to a song as well? Or? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's a character playlist culture on the Mayday Discord is mm. is a vital, <laughs> it's a vital thing. Uh, I have, I think I have everyone else's Delta Green playlist if it exists on my Spotify too. Um, yeah. But there's, yeah, there's a, a playlist for every character. There's a, just a Mayday hype playlist. Um, mm. And depending on how we go into the episode there's like a general song to just like get you into it but if there's yeah. if we're starting on a terrified note which for delta green is every episode there's a special song for that yeah. um like if i'm thinking about what i'm gonna do in the middle of the week there's like there's there's literally a song for everything like yeah. every outcome and there's imagined music videos for everything too <laughs> Yeah, that's, um, I feel like I have a lot of like, quote unquote, dream jobs, but that's one of them would be attaching, um, like creating the soundtrack for a movie. Yes. You know what I mean? Because I think like, I'm not a composer by any means. I can play music, but I can't read it um, and, you know, sing and stuff like that. But I love curating yeah. music. Um, and I love those moments when it's like, I can listen to a song. I'm like, man, this would be perfect for this kind of specific scene. Yes. Or when you see a scene and you're like, oh my God, that song was absolutely amazing for this moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I used to not really notice musical scores before, but now there's a lot of musical scores that I'm like, I just want to listen to this song. Like that has no vocal. It's just amazing composition. Yeah. And you need that if as a creator, Especially if you're a creator that deals with being overstimulated, you sh you need to mm -hmm. have as many different ways to continue daydreaming as possible. <laughs> so yeah, for sure. If it is a yeah, like a score, then good. Like curate, like you said, you enjoy curating a library. I think yeah. every single part of the of the creative process is just a different way of curating a library. If it's like physical yeah. references, if it's you know bonkers concepts that you have to boil down to something that you could actually pull off all of it it's just different parts of the library yeah for sure and i would be um remiss if i didn't talk more about your artwork because we did start off with that and i, I made i want to make sure I, I circle back so um you know it's you went to art school mm -hmm. but when did you really start like drawing or or um oh you know i guess painting things like that uh drawing for was it kind of always forever with because that was the one thing i was allowed yeah. to do during church that wouldn't get me in trouble mm. uh so that was yeah. <laughs> that was the time uh and then 
in third grade just draw jesus on the cross again <laughs> it was that's not traumatizing i, I would steal <laughs> like it at first it, it was people were like what is she doing but then it like i quickly became the girl that has to draw if you take away the paper mm -hmm. you're gonna regret it because i'm gonna be entertained yeah. but it's not gonna be good for you or yeah. your service so nope i would snatch at the top of every sunday snatched like a quarter inch worth of printer paper fold that in half steal a pen a pencil whatever and i had everything i needed for the sunday yeah but in third grade someone handed me a tenchi muyo manga again inappropriate to have for a third grader <laughs> uh but i <laughs> someone handed it to me snuck it out of their backpack yeah. like they were a dealer like I got something that you're mm -hmm. gonna like. Gave it to me. I read the yeah. whole thing. Loved it. And I was like, this is actually, I will be a very serious artist now. <laughs> I've decided based on the pictures I've seen in this backwards book <laughs> at that time, not how I feel now, uh, that this is what I want. And this is what I will have. Yeah. <laughs> Had no way of doing it though. Outside of that, do you remember like other early inspirations for you? Yeah. Uh they're again, they're super silly. I, I, it was so impactful that I painted it on my cap for high school graduation. Um, yeah. Blue's Clues, that okay. that handy dandy notebook. Yeah. Steve solving his problems by doodling. Yeah. Incredible. I loved it. <laughs> and that was like it. Um, there's a lot of artists in my family, like visual and performing. So that was everywhere. No one mm -hmm. had a problem with wanting to be an artist. So that was fine. Yeah. Um, besides that, there were a lot of cartoons, honestly, yeah. like any cartoon, um, especially, or if it was like live action, cause it's kid shows. So a lot of the time, even the live action shows have an animation element. So shows like Gullah Gullah yeah. Island or like little bill, like not understanding that those shows had a creative process. Like there were artists drawing those things, but I was just like, this is art too. And it makes me really excited. So I'm going to keep working toward however this happens this cartoon yeah that's cool yeah i do remember um and this is like a weird one but like i'm not like a feet person but i do remember like learning to draw feet from beauty and the beast yeah. whenever when he transforms back into the prince and like all the lights coming out and like his feet are just like his toes are spinning. yes and i was like oh i get it now like i understand yeah. the form so yeah like feet hands and then hands just became like, because it was such a hard skill for people yes. to get, I was like, I will master this. So I would honestly like just be in class drawing my hand, mm -hmm. drawing on a paper. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. Because that's something and, that was yeah. there. Yeah, exactly. And, and no, I totally get it. Digital art is something that, you know, is that like, do you prefer that medium or? No, I, I love analog stuff. Digital is okay. mostly yeah. for ease on my budget and on time <laughs> it's it's yeah. literally all it is it's it's much faster um the undo button is a blessing and we love it we celebrate it in this house but yeah. when i had the time to be analog which is mostly in art school um taking mm -hmm. like which sounds like hell if it's not your jam but like six hour figure drawing classes um okay. where yeah. it's literally just you and they were because it was like undergrad, everyone was pretty much an adult. There was just like you, 10 other people and a nude model, like absolute, absolutely skilled models that could hold 
a dynamic pose for 45 minutes. Like, I don't know if you've ever tried. If you're listening to this, try to hold a dynamic pose for 45 minutes and you're going to hurt yourself. But these... I'm just shaking my head no yeah. for the for the listening audience, which is everybody. Uh, no, <laughs> not going to do it. It's terrible. Like, but yeah. they would hold it down and you would have so much time to just get into the like nitty gritty and leaving class with like charcoal all over your hands and mm-hmm. and face somehow i loved it i loved it yeah still do that's awesome do you do you do commissions too mm-hmm. i do yeah. yeah that's awesome if uh if if you're if you are on twitter if you're brave enough to go there I have my, my tagged post <laughs> has my commissions on there. Oh yeah. That's good. Yeah. Um, I, I draw, but I've always been pencil. Like color has always been a hard one for me in general. Mm-hmm. I can do, you know, grayscale, but, um, yeah, I just give me a pencil or some, yeah, some charcoal sometimes, or just as long as I don't have to try to blend colors i'll be all right yeah it's a lot of like relinquishing sense (laughs) to work in color it's a lot of just like forget what you see just try throwing a green in there oh it worked that's cool (laughs) no one asked me to explain why that works but it works yeah yeah i totally understand that's really cool but yeah so um i've gotten you know just from eli and allegra they both have spoken and glowingly about how you have created their characters into into actual you know drawings that like oh my god you know this is amazing yeah. so um one i think that's awesome two do you kind of just go in it with your idea or do you talk to them and kind of get like and do you always stick to what they say or yeah so i i don't um i ask them first always send me a description mm-hmm. of your character and I don't yeah. have a format. Like I, at first I considered making like a Google form where it's like hair color, eye color, you yeah. know, favorite shirt or something like that. But these, <laughs> these wonderful people have, each of them have so different ways of communicating what they see. And I love them mm-hmm. all. I love them all. But um, I rely on that way more than I do, like whatever I could put together for them. Like even if, yeah. while we're just like fucking around about the next campaign, they'll be like, oh yeah, I definitely want to play like a big beefy character. And I could just run with that and do like six beefy characters and be like, which one's your favorite? And I'm like, no, yeah, show me what you're looking at. And sometimes it's just yeah. a single picture of Nick Offerman. And it's like, <laughs> okay, that's incredible. This is more yeah. to play with than what I could have come up with by myself because it's, it's it's yeah i i don't know how to like articulate how freaking fun the process is but my my goal is like i don't really care about flexing i don't care about showing my creativity in this process at all i want to make a make a avatar make a person that they are comfortable adopting with all the character work that they've already done because by the time they're sending me descriptions they've already done work so I, the last thing I, I, I want to magnify whatever they're doing. Well, I think that being said too, you still have a distinctive style though. I, I can look at your artwork and say like, oh yeah, this is for sure. Like as a Kia, yeah. you know? So no, I think that's, that's awesome. And, and it's such a fun thing. Um, I know like with my friends, cause I've drawn um, stuff for like our home games and things like that. 
Um, and it is a lot of just like trying to get, you know, pieces of like, do I remember that description? Yeah. Did you say that your female dwarf has a beard? Okay. I got to remember to do this. Yeah. And then like, well, how does a, how does a beard like trying to draw a beard on a, on a female face has, is that was a weird, that <laughs> was, was a hard thing to do. Um, cause it's like your brain's just trying to like, nope, you gotta make that brow line stronger or yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, your own internal biases just kind of take over and try to control, you know, what you think it is. And, um, you know, but yeah, I mean, obviously every person's unique and, and every piece of art is unique and too. So like when you're creating these avatars, it's nice to have that yeah. distinctive, you know, yeah. um, that's thing. Yeah. I think it's just so much fun. That's also why I don't like to draw anything before they, they tell me what they want. Because uh, mm-hmm. unfortunately, I'm there's like a, a worry sometimes that they're asking too much or that they're mm-hmm. doing like making it harder for me, which no, yeah. uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> but uh, if I if I move first, then that influences how they move. And I hate I, I'd rather be challenged by what they ask me to do. So like rad. Yeah. I'd never draw. Of course, I'd never drawn a turtle before. Like, right. Yeah. And I was, I talked about this on the, on the art stream a little bit, like it's really hard to consider, like, this is a campaign. I'm going to be drawing beats from this later. If rad doesn't have any pants on, what does that mean for me? (laughs) (laughs) So I have to come up with a solution. Serge doesn't really care too much. Like he, he, it just needs to work for him, but I've got this problem of a turtle grundle and how to hide it in a way that makes sense <laughs> with the story and for my own personal comfort. So yeah. like that kind of stuff is what I'm like, okay, it's me. It's my problem. I'm in charge. But outside of that, yeah, he's just like, he's a surfer dude. Who's a turtle. Yeah. Go for it. Do you, do you struggle when it comes to like drawing things like that? Because like when you look at a turtle, it's like, there's one, piece of artwork in the whole D&D book mm-hmm. and so it's like I don't want my turtle to look like that like this big clunky slow moving looking th- you know what I yeah. mean um and you changed it obviously but like was that something for you is that something that is a an obstacle where you're like mm. okay this is the only representation I have how do I make it mm. to where I, the person knows this is what it is but also it doesn't look exactly like this thing yeah I, that, especially for, for Rad's body type, that was Surge because he threw around words like, like Silver Surfer. And I'm like, okay, well that helps. That helps me a lot. I know that you don't want a traditional turtle. But generally I love, because like the TTRPG space has this very weird love-hate relationship with Dungeons and Dragons. Um, Mm -hmm. And the way that I express the not love side is being so excited to break any visual conventions of that game any of them like i love elves with pointy ears i own prosthetic pointy ears and i will continue to draw them for me like that forever but if someone's like "Mm, they're an elf but they don't have those hell yeah whatever like we'll break the rules and it'll be so good the only time i i don't do that is if it's in reference to like a culture that exists so like in ashoka there's a lot of like oceanic polynesian references yeah. those are locked we don't like yeah want to make sure that those yeah, are accurate yeah but if it's just yeah. like whatever gygax had in his mind we will yeah. copy cut paste 
it, whatever. It doesn't matter. I don't care. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so I've talked about this book a lot because I love it, but um, I don't know how familiar you are with Pathfinder 2E, but in terms of just artwork in general, mm-hmm. you should really look at the Moenia Expanse book. Are you familiar at all with Pathfinder? I've played it once. <laughs> okay. So basically the Moenia Expanse in Pathfinder is like the fantasy Africa. Oh, yes. If you will. But in the book you have black dwarves, black halflings, black um, elves, um, orcs that aren't just evil ship eggs. Yeah. Um, like it's, and the artwork is so good. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at it now. It's really incredible. Like, yeah. And like, you know, talking about like breaking conventions and it's just like, oh yeah, like this is what I needed when I first started playing mm-hmm. personally to, to be able to, because it's like, that's, that's why I never played a dwarf. Cause I'm like, well, it's hard to, to imagine you know, myself, and I don't want to have to deal with that conversation of somebody being like, well, that's not how dwarves look. They don't have dreadlocks and, yeah. <laughs> you know, their beards are long and straight. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I just I just don't want to, um, as much as I'm capable of taking care of things like that, I just really, you know, try to live a nonviolent life, so. I'm, I, I love that. I celebrate that for you. I'm waiting for the day. <laughs> any day someone can say some stuff like that to me. I'm like, I, I make those decisions. Like I said, I love breaking the rules. It's a little bit yeah. um, antagonistic for sure. But I can't wait for someone to say that to me. No one has yet. No one said it to me yet, but I, I yeah. wait eagerly on that day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was explaining that to my boss. I was like, of just that, um, like I'd try to, you know, stay out of confrontations and stuff. But I also have that part of me that's just like, I wish a motherfucker would. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I wish you would try It me. could be pleasant, but if you don't want to talk about like, and I, we, I'm prepared to like over-intellectualize. Like I took one good, yeah. like good Octavia Butler class in college and it <laughs> opened my whole, I'm like, we, if you want to talk about why elves look the way they look, you, you need to sit down and like free your hour because we're going to talk about it. Like, yeah, I don't think you want to know that racism is everywhere, but it is. Yeah, <laughs> it is. And it's like, it's up to you. No, I 100%. I'd, uh, it was funny. I, when I was in high school, I, there was a lot of stuff that happened and then I had to move to a different school, a very much smaller school. Mm-hmm. And I was not, I didn't, I've never believed in like, you have to sit at the front of the class if you're the smartest or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you can sit wherever you can still answer questions. You can see me at the front or you can see him at the back. Right. I can still raise my hand. Um, and so, you know, they had the three kids who were like the top of the class or whatever in this one in the class. And I think it was a law class. And I sat in the back and I was new to the school and they, teacher said something and I raised my hand and answered and everybody was like, oh, okay. And then so a few days, maybe a couple of weeks later, they were talking about race and they were talking about how the Black Panthers are essentially just Black KKK. Wow. And um, yeah, so these three are debating against me, just one, about this specific topic. And um, they left that day educated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good for that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I was like, no. Yeah. I'm sorry. But 
but yeah, so it's very much like, okay, I could either be upset about this or I can just run you through the ringer on your ignorance right. and, um, and hopefully you learn something from it. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing. If you're playing in this, in a, a TTRPG space, definitely not the only one. Um, yeah. I think I'll, I'll shout out someone who definitely put me on even more. Uh, their name is Janiah Kemper. They're uh, brilliant. Like just they're all in academia, but they specifically write about like LARP and like race and it's brilliant. They're so inspiring. I like, if you, if you can look them up, please look them up uh, and, yeah. and educate yourself because they, they showed me a lot about and pointed out a lot about being a person of color, being black in this space does mean you kind of have to be a nerd about the subject, but also a nerd about the his like the history of the history just in case somebody comes at yeah. you sideways uh and to yeah. know that that you're valid in your choice it is literally just a game and you don't have to intellectualize it but sometimes you do and yeah it helps to come prepared with that knowledge yeah for sure and i think i mean i i agree that that information is is so important um and i hope that as time continues we get to a point where things like that don't matter as much. But I think now one of those other unfortunate praises of Twitter, I think that there's now that there's opportunities for people to have community where they can kind of have that curated community of like, okay, well, I know that these people are safe and that um, for the most part, we're not going to deal with that because I think people still always have internalized biases and um, blind spots that they just aren't aware of until they say something stupid. And then somebody has to, uh, learn them. Yes. No, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Don't do it for free folks, but yes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, very cool. Well, I appreciate you coming on so much. This has been a lot of fun. Um, I, 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 uh, yeah, I just love it. I think, you know, great minds think alike and it's cool to talk to another person, uh, another black person that has some of these same thought processes and, and, and artistic, interest and things like that so this has been a lot of fun yeah of course and we we will find you a, a melanated table i promise whatever yes, it takes please yeah we'll we'll definitely do that i know we, uh, trying to work on some stuff myself but for sure i i'm happy to 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 play so Sweet. we will do that for sure thank you so much for listening i hope you enjoyed the show If you would like to reach out to us, check out the many options on the Anchor app or anchor.fm on your browser. You can also reach us at secretnerdpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe to the show, and if you'd like, leave a review to help us grow this thing. Bye.